mom, dad, are we there yet? Are we there yet? This feels very much like the kid on the long car ride pestering his parents. Oh, hi. How are you? Uh, welcome to the Yearbooking Report podcast. Great to have you with us. If you're a newbie at this, yeah, the strange guy here is, uh, well, my name is Scott Geezy. I am a 21-year representative for Justin's Yearbooks, but I've been involved with journalism for nearly four decades now, going back to my high school days. And as I've mentioned here before, this is all about storytelling, and boy, the stories we could tell this year. My goodness. First off, I hope that you are well, wherever you are. Um, If you're hunkered down in some state where you're pretty much not allowed to do anything, businesses are closed, you can maybe get a takeout pizza or something like that. Maybe you're in a place that's a little more loosened up, but either way, we're all sort of still hunkered down. We've been at this for two months or three months now, and we still don't exactly know as we record this how long this thing's going to last. I know a lot of folks out there are really starting to struggle in various ways. Obviously, economically, not a good thing, but in other ways as well. Just being stuck at home and you can't see your friends and you can't get out and you can't go uh, you know, have a nice meal at a restaurant and all that sort of thing. Can't go to the movies, maybe. We're all struggling right now, but, and unfortunately, this has almost become a cliche now, we're all in this together. I know, if you're like me, you're, you're just a little tired of hearing that line. You're not against it, you're just tired of hearing about it. But anyway, so this is the end of the school years. Yeah, we sort of made it. We, I suppose you could say we stumbled across the finish line. For the class of 2020 that I refer to as the cheated class of 2020, Keep in mind that you are part of history. And I think in the long run, that's a good thing. You know, we're going to make it through this. Everything is going to get better at some point down the line. You are part of history. That is something that you can kind of hang on to for life, this weird situation we've been in. And as far as your booking is concerned, yeah, this is also weird. It's weird now. Again, we don't know what's going to happen in August and September at this point. We don't know. So it's probably going to be weird then, but we persevere because stories always continue. And in this episode, we're going to talk with a terrific yearbook advisor from Nevada, our friend Matt Laporte. Now, Matt is from Las Vegas. He's going to talk about his school here in just a little bit. Sounds like a really cool school. And I'm going to guess that from the kids at his school, Mr. Laporte is a really cool teacher and a cool yearbook advisor because he has a top-notch yearbook effort and also journalism, print, and broadcast there at his particular school in Las Vegas. But of course, this situation we're in is affecting those folks there as well. So we're going to start just with a friendly conversation, just between friends, sort of a little catch-up, like how's it going over there, how's it going over here, that sort of thing, which we've all been doing now for weeks probably, right? So first off, let's meet Matt. Matt, first of all, uh, in this craziest of springs, I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to uh, give us some background from your perspective. So first off, welcome to the Yearbooking Report. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We have a lot of ground we're going to cover. And of course, this interview is a little different from other ones we've done because we have the situation going on right now, which we'll get to in a little bit. 
Um, first off, Matt, let's just start with some basic background stuff. Tell us something about yourself, uh, where you're from, what do you teach? I know that I'm a JEA member, so are you, and you do some terrific work with your school there in Las Vegas. Tell us something about that. Uh, I'm originally from uh, right outside of Chicago. That's where I grew up. I went to school, uh, bachelor's and master's, and then decided, hey, let's move somewhere warm and away from the snow. And so I decided to uh, come out to Las Vegas. And so that's where I have been for the last 13, 14 years. Um, <clears throat> I teach uh, freshman English and the intro and advanced uh, journalism classes. So I advise both the yearbook and our online news site. Uh, yeah, um, I like horror movies <laughs> and reality <laughs> There you go. <laughs> okay, we gotta get that in there, all right. <laughs> now again, your school has a long name. What is the name of your school? Uh, Southwest Career and Technical Academy. Now that sounds very technical. <laughs> it is. What it is I, I don't, where I live in central Pennsylvania, we, I mean, we have some, I guess you would call them career and technical centers or career and technical schools. Now that sounds a little bit like what you just described. Tell us, what do you do at your school? What, what does your school do? Um, well, it's sort of built on the premise of what a old vocational school would be, but rather than the students um, leaving and uh, going to another location, that um, vocational education is built into our building and our curriculum. So um, the students attend our school, it's a school of choice, so they do have to go through a lottery in order to be eligible to um, attend. And they then choose a area of study, and then they take their regular core curriculum for graduation, plus then also doing um, career and technical education um, as part of their elective program. Now, this is a full-time school. In other words, I've got some tech schools where I live where for half the day they go to their home school and then for half the day they go to the tech school. It sounds Correct. like yours is a full-time school? Correct. It's a full-time school. And you mentioned freshmen. So we're talking four years. Correct. They go for uh, all four years. Hmm. Okay. Because I've got some schools where you have to be, I think you have to be at least a sophomore to go to the school. Freshmen are supposed to just like stay home and something. Now you mentioned there's a lottery to get in, so that makes it sound like you've got a waiting list of people that want to get in there. They do. I think we have, it vacillates on the year, but I think right now we're taking 400 plus freshmen. I think usually in terms of applications, we get somewhere between, I know more than a thousand. So yeah, there's definitely, a, there's definitely a waiting list for entrance into the school. How many total students at your school? Uh, 1,450. So a waiting list of a thousand. Wow. Okay. Uh, why are all these folks waiting? What, what, I mean, what's terrific about your school? Um, I mean, our school, it's a five-star school. We have a hundred percent graduation. Um, kids like being there. There's a lot of parental engagement. Um, and just got a good vibe. I mean, it's a different kind of school. We don't have sports. So our students are very uh, academically centered. The students that do want to participate in sports will participate in sports at their uh, zone school or the school that they would have gone to, the regular public high school. Um, but for the most part, I mean, our kids are well-behaved, super engaged. Um, and I think that the community 
um, sees that and sees the success that they are having and want their kids to also have that experience. Wow. I think a lot of teachers are listening saying, I'd like to come to that school. <laughs> 100% well-behaved. Now, um, here in Pennsylvania, where I live, this situation we're dealing with hit two months ago, mid-March. When did it hit Nevada? When did it hit Las Vegas? Same time? Uh, we stopped going to school March 16th, I think it was. So we were around the same time, I think, that most schools uh, decided that it was no longer safe or a good decision to be inside of the building anymore. What do you think about that? Did, 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 uh, they, make, did they make the right call? I, I support whatever the CDC decides. They are the experts, and so if they decide that it is no longer a good decision, then we probably should follow what the experts should say. I am not a scientist. <laughs> I am not a health expert. So if the experts are telling me to do something, then that's what I'm going to follow. Okay. Now you've been at this as we're recording this, you've been at this for two months. I'm assuming yes. you're doing online learning like a lot of other people are doing. And Correct. you're from a tech school. So the obvious thought was, well, you guys must be terrific at this. You must be doing really well at this. How would you describe that? Are you or not? Um, I think in terms of, I mean, it really depends on what is, you know, what, right now in our district, in our state, um, they've identified because of this a really large digital divide in terms of who has access and who doesn't have access to devices and Wi-Fi for that matter, or internet access. Um, so a lot of what we've been doing in terms of online learning has been optional. Um, also taking into account that our economy is built on hospitality and tourism. So when everything shuts down, everything really does shut down here um, in terms of jobs and what people are doing. So um, I think that in, in that respect, it's a lot different. It's probably close to maybe like what Orlando would be experiencing since so many of their jobs are built in the tourism industry. Um, so the school district has had to take all of that into account. Um, when putting together a plan for distance learning. So right now, students that are interested in engaging and continuing their education and families that want their kids to continue, um, they've been participating in online learning enrichment activities. Um, but there are some students that, for whatever reason, um, have not been participating either because they're probably doing a lot of the things that they would normally be doing over the summer, um, babysitting, helping out at home, and then also for families where the job, their jobs have, either they've been furloughed or laid off trying to, to manage that. So they're having to figure out what is the, the priority at this point in time. It's unfortunate. That, that sounds like a familiar refrain um, in a lot of places that I've, people I've talked to and so on. Some kids are in, some kids aren't, and so on. Now you kind of touched on my next question. I've been to Las Vegas several times, enjoyed my time there, except in July when it's 110 degrees. I think you're insane for leaving Chicago, all right? 100, 110 in July is a little nuts. But, I mean, I think about the Strip and so on. I mean, what's going on in Las Vegas right now? Um, well, as of this weekend, they've started opening things up again. So probably the same as what you've been hearing in the news, hairstylists, uh, restaurants are at 50% capacity right now. Um, 
I think that was the big thing was restaurants, uh, hair care. Uh, I know a lot of people really wanted to get their hair cut, nails. Um, and they're starting to figure out now in terms of the casinos and the strip, how they're going to move forward with that. I'm not sure which part of the phase it's in, probably not two or th probably phase two or three because of capacity issues. I mean, you're going to have to imagine walking into a casino and not having probably the same experience that you would normally because it's going to be at 50% capacity, hand sanitizers. Um, they're talking about doing uh, thermal um, cameras to check to make sure that people don't have temperatures. Um, so right now it's starting to look a little bit more normal in terms of that regard. I mean, people are going outside, they're taking walks. Um, I think people are anxious to get back to some sort of normalcy or at least not being stuck in their houses. Well, if I were losing at the poker table, I think I'd run a temperature. So that's not good. <laughs> and normally when I play poker, that's what happens. So that, that's definitely not a good thing. We'll get back to more with advisor Matt Laporte from Las Vegas here on the Your Booking Report podcast in just a bit. When we come back, he's going to talk about his operation, which is, again is top-notch, very well-organized, outstanding yearbook. How do they do things? And also we're going to look ahead to things like distribution and graduation and how they're handling those sort of things where he lives. It's interesting, everybody seemingly is doing this differently this year. It's really wild, but we'll get back to more of that in just a bit. Now again, it's a wild year. And, of course, one of the great traditions, especially for spring yearbooks, is signing day. You know, distribution day, you hand out the books, and in most schools, kids have time to kind of go around. They're in the gym or the cafeteria, wherever they are, and they have pens, and they go around and put in those prize messages in their friends' yearbooks. Well, of course, this year, for the most part, that's not going to happen, at least not legally, if I use that word. But we at Jostens have come up with a terrific solution for that, which is about as close as you can get to an actual signing event as you can be. We call it virtual signing because that's exactly what it is. Students have a chance to have their friends sign their yearbook. Now, in this case, of course, it's all done online. And with this amazing tool, which, by the way, was put together by our Jostens tech team, unquestionably, the best in the business. We didn't go to some third-party company that wants money and then later they'll pull the plug or some company, well, let's make videos. Now, nobody wants to make videos. Uh, nobody wants to do that. Too complicated. And then later on, what happens to the videos? They probably disappear. No, we want written messages like we've always had. And so our Johnson's tech team very quickly went to work and came up with our amazing new virtual signing tool. If somehow, advisors, you don't know about this, and by the way, this is for any school. We're opening this up even to those schools that aren't working with Jostens right now because our feeling is the fact that every student should have the chance to have their friends sign their yearbook, virus notwithstanding. So, we're opening this up to anybody. If somehow you still haven't heard about it, contact your Johnson's representative. They can get you the details on how you can do this. Essentially, students will be able to register on a website. And by the way, you can do this on your phone if you want. And then they will get a special sort of a URL code. They share that out with their friends, as many as they want. 
Friends can then go on and sign that student's yearbook. They can write out a message. They can put it in whatever font style they want. They can put stickers on it if you want to do that sort of thing. Now, this is kind of rare when someone writes a message in somebody's book and it's not a good message. Okay, I, why would somebody do that? But even in that case, if the student decides, I really don't want to keep that message, they can delete it. And then at some point later on, they download the pages, and these are actual pages people are signing. They download the pages, they can print them out on a home printer, insert them into their book, and they are good to go. They have those prize messages, which they will then keep for life. And by the way, all of this is free, unlimited, free. We've seen some things from some other companies out there. They're charging money. They have tremendous limits. Again, no videos. Nobody cares. This is what students want. And thank goodness our tech team is amazing. They're delivering with our virtual signing tool. Once again, if somehow you don't know about this or you need some more information, contact your Jocelyn's representative. They can immediately get you all the details on how your group, your student body, can use this terrific new tool. All right, let's get back to more with our interview with advisor Matt Laporte from Las Vegas. Let's see how they do things out there. All right, let's move on to your book and journalism and stuff. Um, tell us about your yearbook first off. I mean, just, just sort of the overview, because I've seen your book. It's fabulous. Tell us about your book. Uh, our yearbook is a yearbook. It's a uh somewhere between 224 to 248 pages, depending on the year. Um, it's fully chronological. Um, we sell a nice number of senior ads um, to help offset costs. Um, it's journalistic, so it's being completed in a way that's telling the story of the year, depending on our theme, using a lot, a lot, a lot of student voice. Um, and doing the best that we can with photography and design and trying to make it the best that they can, the students, um, so that way everyone feels like they have um, invested and gotten their money's worth. How does someone get on your staff? Because I'm assuming they got to probably be pretty sharp or hardworking. How do they get selected? Um, well, a lot of the students will complete the um, intro to journalism course during their freshman year. And then if they really find that they have a calling for it and they've really enjoyed and understand now sort of the nuts and bolts of journalism, then they can elect to go on either to the, the yearbook or the newspaper staff. Um, there are some students that will not have the opportunity to take the class during their freshman year, um, but I'll have them for English or another English teacher and they'll make recommendations that this kid can hit the ground running and we'll pick up as they go. So I have some of those kids. And then I also have some students that um, I will take in from their eighth grade program um, that I will jump from the foundations class right into the production class, the advanced class, because they've had enough exposure. And I go over to the middle school probably three or four times a year um, to meet with them, give them feedback on their work. Um, we've had students, high school students go over there and do workshops with them. Um, just to give them an extra edge that they may want, especially with programs, especially middle school programs that want to be more competitive than just putting out a yearbook for their school. 
So, I mean, it's, it, it, there's, there's a lot of different avenues to get into the program. Um, at this point, and really at any point, um, recruiting tends to happen just friends of friends of friends. One of the kids that's just really great in the program will say, hey, I have this friend who wants to join. I can vouch for them. They have good work ethic and they'll take it seriously. And really at that point, you know, giving kids the opportunity to find a place and to craft their whatever skills that is that they want to explore. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. That sounds like a, a great plan to me. And for the most part, I've had pretty good success rate with sort of doing recruitment and enrollment that way. Well, it sounds like your school has a waiting list and it sounds like your staff has a waiting list. Is that about right? Um, we're actually a small staff. Um, and that's for a variety of reasons. A lot of it has to do with scheduling. Um, there's only one period. So if kids have their career and technical program that period, then they can't get into it. If they want to do open periods as they get to senior year, they may not be able to do it. If they want to take span. I mean, there's when you're doing career and technical education like that, those classes have to fit before any other elective classes. So it can get difficult to find um, a space for those kids, especially if they're taking two or three of their video game design or nursing classes that particular year. So um, that has put some constraints on kids that really want to get into the program and there would be a spot, but because of scheduling, it just doesn't work out. Sounds like you have a cool school. I mean, uh, video game programming. I've got some kids who are probably listening saying, oh, I'd like to do that. That sounds yeah. like fun. You sounds like a pretty cool place. We do have a, a very cool and unique school community. Now let's talk about organization. I know I, we've met a couple times. I first met you several years ago at a JAU, which is a Jostens Advisor University. And I would love to say that we're gonna do that again this July, but <laughs> uh, that's probably a long shot at this particular point. Um, and also if I recall a couple of years ago, you came over my way uh, we have a summer camp here in Pennsylvania at Gettysburg College. And as I recall, you were like a speaker there. You were at that thing. Mm -hmm. Organization. How do you organize your group? Now, I'll be honest here. Most yearbook staffs that, that I observe are not that well organized. It's pretty much the advisor and a pile of kids. And the pile of kids just do what the advisor tells them to do. How do you organize your particular group? Well, we have the benefit of completing our book chronologically. So each week is dedicated to a spread for the most part, unless it's for whatever reason, just an oddball week and just nothing was really going on. Um, so there's a group of usually three, or, well actually the past year, two kids that take on the spread. Week one, they're taking photos. Week two, they're interviewing and writing captions. And week three, they're finalizing design. And then by the fourth week, that spread should be done. And there's a section editor that's uh, in charge of that particular group for the year. And they work with them to make sure that progress is being met. And for the most part, when it works, it works. If the communication is good, and that's usually where you, you, you live or fail. If the communication is on point and everyone is talking and making sure that the work is getting done, it usually can get through that four week cycle. Um, if the communication is not on point, um, that's where, you know, things get muddy. Um, we do uh, all of our photos and whatnot through Google Drive, um, and we use Google Chat um, as our communication tool. There's different rooms within Google Chat for each group and different threads for each one of the spreads, so that way 
that material is organized. Um, all the captions get written in a spreadsheet and then get marked off as being complete before they go onto the spread. Um, there's just some things that I've learned in the last, this will be my 11th yearbook. Um, you know, and every year learn something new in terms of the organization, but really at the end of the day, the key is the communication. If everyone's not communicating, everything just sort of falls flat, stops, and we have to spend a lot of time making sure that people understand that communication is key. If you can't do something, communicate. If you can do something extra, communicate. It's all for the benefit of the team. Amen to all that. I'll agree with all that. Now, you mentioned earlier, you have sort of a smaller group. Now, do you have like an editorial structure? I mean, as far as the hierarchy is concerned, how do you have that put together? Uh, the hierarchy is pretty small just because there would be a lot of chiefs then and not a lot of Indians. Um, this year, there will be uh, one editor-in-chief, three section editors, a specialty spread editor, and then a reference section editor. Um, and I believe right now the staff is gonna be around 29 kids, I believe. So given that structure, that'll be enough for everyone to have something to do. And then, I don't know, if, if it just so happens that someone really starts excelling, then we can add assistant positions or additional positions if necessary. Um, but for right now, like having three section editors rotating with different groups, um, their job being to work solely just with those groups to make sure work's getting done, and then the editor-in-chief handling the bigger picture. Uh, our specialty spread editor is the person who really has the most experience with uh, Illustrator, Photoshop, um, that can take conceptual ideas and bring them to life. Um, usually they have an assistant that works with them, so that way they can get those done. And usually they're responsible for probably nine or 10 spreads in the book, but those are the ones that take the most time. And then our reference section editor who handles all the Q&A, infographics, profiles that show up in the people section. All right, now chiefs and Indians, obviously you're the big chief, okay? Um, how much responsibility or decision-making do you give to the kids as opposed to what you hold on to? Again, sort of a broad brush here a little bit. Most yearbook staffs, the yearbook advisor pretty much has all the authority. They make just about all the decisions it sounds like you give a lot of that to your kids. I mean, how does that work with you? Um, well, it's their book. At the end of the day, they're the ones that have to stand behind it and be happy with what it is that they have put out. Um, I'm really there just sort of to act as a sounding board, um, to give feedback, um, and push them when I know that the work isn't what they're capable of doing. Um, I don't want to be there as the person that's dictating because at that point, where's the fun in that? There's no fun being happening in, in dictation. Um, we all know that the yearbook takes a lot of time. So if the students aren't able to own what it is that they're working, that amount of time and dedication is going to be zapped away. So I found that it's okay for me to come in and say, hey, I think you could be doing better at this. This is not up to par. Would you be okay with this going in the printed yearbook and everyone seeing it with your name saying you're responsible on it um, as sort of being my job? So yeah, I'm the advisor. <clears throat> if I need to step in as an additional staff member sometimes because things are behind, we need help Photoshopping a picture. Um, <clears throat> can you help us find this student 
Um, so that way we can interview them. I'm totally happy to do that. Um, but I'm not there to make the book. That's their job. Now, as we're recording this in mid-May, you have your new books. I think you just got them or something like that. Yeah. Um, have, now, as we're recording this, have you distributed them yet? No. How are you going to no. do that? How are you going to do that this year? Um, we're waiting for whatever our district tells us we're going to do. Um, as of right now, they're the ones formulating a plan. So um, they're going to have to, they're, they're going to be the ones letting us know how we're doing it. I believe it's going to be some sort of drive-by situation, um, but we're still waiting to get the final instructions um, as to when and how that's going to happen. Okay. How about graduation? How's that going to get handled? Any idea yet? Nope. It's just <laughs> in the unknown. I believe they're trying to reschedule and come up with some um, alternative dates. I know that there's probably some backup plans, but I mean, everyone's hoping that they to actually have a real graduation. And so I think everyone's still holding out hope that in some capacity that's going to happen. I have a number of folks, they, they're going to wait till July and mm -hmm. they're going to see what happens and fingers firmly crossed and, and hopefully, you know, in two months time or something, the smoke will clear and we'll be able to stand next to each other again or something like that. Yeah. I think that's the idea. Okay. Sorry. Right, so you're going to distribute at some point, but let's, let's look ahead to next year. All right. Uh, I get the feeling a lot of folks are still very distracted by this whole situation. They can't even think about August or September or the next year. Have you, for your yearbooking effort, have you started thinking about next year yet? What, what's going to happen? Because I've heard all these rumors, well, we might not be able to go to school yet come August or something. We might have to keep doing this sort of thing. So have you given any thought to getting things started for next year's effort? Um, well, I am. Uh, the kids just finished up their theme projects. They did that all virtually. Um, I gave them some framework in terms of what I wanted to see from them. And then they had little groups that they worked in and they figured out how to go about collaborating and communicating and putting it together. Um, we did some formal presentations and we have a theme decided, basic concept, because um, that's fun and they're home. So they have a lot of free time to do things that they think are fun looking for uh, fonts and visual inspiration and making videos that they could use as a promo. Like that's all fun stuff. So that wasn't really uh, difficult. Um, I don't plan on asking them to do anything over the summer. I find that that's a, a exercise in futility and I'd rather not put myself through that. So uh, we're gonna see what they choose to get done over the summer. And then we're gonna have to leave our ladder in flux. I mean, a lot of the time, uh, or all the time we do at least three spreads of summer coverage and right now they're trying to figure out what will that look like because we've done about seven or eight um, potential spreads right now for COVID and at some point you have to let that go um, you don't want the whole yearbook to be just about this virus and we pick up our year in March so next year's yearbook goes from March to February um, so we'll be telling the story of what happened during the quarantine so if necessary, we're just going to leave summer. Either it's going to happen and we'll have some photos, but there won't be any of the great photos of kids going um, out of the country, parasailing, ziplining, riding elephants, whatever it is that they do. It's going to be restricted to 
whatever it is they really can do at home or in their backyard. Um, so then when we return to school in August, we're going to have to play it by ear, but we're also aware of the fact that our ladder could drastically change depending on what school looks like. This might be a smaller yearbook because we don't want to just take pictures of kids standing in a hallway. And that's if you can even stand in a hallway. It's possible that when we go back to school, it's going to be very much like a, a shelter in place where students are going to be encouraged to stay inside the classroom with their classes and not roam. And that could mean a lot of uh, limited photo opportunities. And if we go back to a staggered day, which a lot of people have been discussing, I know in lots of schools around the country where only a portion of your population goes to school every day. Um, these are all stories that we're going to be able to tell, but it's definitely not going to be in the same way that we've done it before. So I'm definitely planning on a revised ladder happening frequently. I'm also planning for a smaller book. Interesting. Okay. Yes, I've heard a lot of the same things, staggered schedules and going to school three days a week and the other two you do remote. And I guess nobody really knows at this point. Although I tell you what, Matt, I'd really like to see the riding elephants page. That would, uh, <laughs> I, I want to see that one. <laughs> That's one I'm not familiar with. I don't know. We'll get back to our final segment with advisor Matt Laporte from Las Vegas, including some very interesting thoughts about how he does things like training, maybe a little different than some other people. Kind of caught me by surprise just a little bit, but we'll get back to that here in just a moment. Now, once again, what does the future hold? Is everybody going to start school on time in either August, September in their building? Well, as we're recording this, we have no idea. No idea. Maybe not. Maybe we're going to start with this online learning stuff again, which some people like, but a lot of folks, frankly, I don't think do. But anyway, we'll see what the future holds. But I tell you what, at Johnston's, our future, we think it's looking really bright for schools that work with us because we have some amazing tools that are going to be debuting here shortly. Uh, hopefully you've been paying attention. We have our new Layout Pro online page creation tool, which is actually up and running now. Not, well, we'll get around to it in the fall. Nope. It's running right now, and folks are starting to learn it. This is our flashless-based tool. So if you're on a yearbook staff and you've opened up a browser recently, you've probably seen those annoying messages about Flash going away in December, which will happen, virus notwithstanding. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because Layout Pro will work on pretty much any device. It'll work very well with Chromebooks, which sometimes are great and sometimes eh, not so much. But in this case, great. If you have one of those newer iPads or a new iPad, it'll work on those. Preferably you want something with a mouse, touchpad, that sort of thing. But it'll work with that, work with any computer out there. Layout Pro is going to be fantastic. And Jostin's folks are starting to learn about this. Um, if you're a non-Jostin school and you'd like to say, hey, what, what's going on over there? Contact your Jostin's representative. They can get you some information. And then along with that for this coming new year, we have our amazing Yearbook Plus digital tool. Now, this is fantastic because the idea with Yearbook Plus is every student in school, every single one, will have the chance to tell their own story in pictures tied to your yearbook. Once again, your Jostens representative has all the details on this amazing tool. This is not an app. 
we deliberately steered away from an app because most folks told us we really don't want another app on our device. We don't want to do that. So Yearbook Plus instead will work with any phone, any device, any time. Now, a year from now, 5, 10, 12, whatever years from now. You don't need some special app. Pretty much all you need is internet access and you're off and running. A chance for a student to tell their own story tied to pages in your book. Now, yes, images are involved here. And yes, we have our moderation uh, event. Once again, uh, every image checked out to make sure they're appropriate. We don't want any of that funny stuff. And also people have a chance to upload any kind of images. They're at a football game, basketball game, uh, homecoming night, uh, winter dance, chemistry class, math class, whatever the story topic, folks will have a chance to upload images, which then the yearbook staff can use inside their book. And also from a digital perspective, folks will be able to take their device, whatever it is, and scan specially marked photos and get a great slideshow of football. All the football images that we just didn't have room for on those pages. This is a fantastic tool, and again, it's absolutely free, programmed completely by our Jostens Tech Group, which is by far the best in the business. They have just knocked it out of the park in a very difficult year this year, as you know. So, if you want more information on either Layout Pro or Yearbook Plus or the virtual signing tool that I mentioned earlier, contact your Jostens representative. They have all the details. Let's get back to our final segment now with advisor Matt Laporte. So you've got your group or you're getting your group and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. How important is it to get those kids, the new kids especially, to get them trained for what you need them to do as far as either now, or you mentioned, I guess you start in August, nothing in the summer. How important is getting that early training, especially for your new kids? It's not. I don't think it's that important. I find that as advisors, we spend a lot of time creating sheets and guides and PowerPoints and stuff. And at the end of the day, the kids learn the best when they're on the job. When we get cell phones and we get products, we have instruction manuals that we just put to the side and figure it out on our own. And a lot of the time we spend a lot of time on things that are either never going to get touched or never used when we could really just put those kids into a situation with the task with other students that are experienced. And as long as those kids that are experienced are aware of how to do it correctly, they're going to teach those kids probably faster than anything that we'd be able to do. So I think that there's a, some smart ways to go about training the kids. Like when we go back, they can write captions. They can start learning how to use a camera. Once they get those basics and they move on to the next step, well, we're gonna start having you design a module or we're gonna start having you um, learn how to use Lightroom for photo editing. And everything can be task-based. It doesn't all have to be learned by the first day you get back to school or trained for that matter. Um, those kids are gonna be terrified anyway, especially if they're new walking into a, a room of new kids. Um, Ideally, over the summer, you'd have an opportunity for bonding and team building, that kind of stuff. Um, but if you don't have those opportunities, you need to take the time at the beginning of the school year to do those, um, to really make sure that they're going to meld, figure out any kinks that might be in the current system, and then worry about creating the book. As long as you're taking pictures from day one, you have no problems. The second you don't take pictures is when you start to have problems. So that's interesting. You just sort of 
maybe I'm wrong here. You sort of toss them in, just kind of throw them in there. Like, okay, guys, here you have a, maybe a mentor student, an older student or an experienced student, and you pretty much just toss work at them. Is that, does that sound about right? Well, for the kids that are actually building the book, I mean, I say there's 70% of the kids that took the intro class. That doesn't mean that they were building a book. They were learning how to make spreads in their way because you can only teach them so much when they're just working with uh, fictional circumstances. Then um, there are 30% of the kids that haven't, that don't know what journalism is yet, but they're in a production class. I mean, when you put them into a production class, that's where things start actually happening. That's where there's a leadership, there's a hierarchy, there's expectations, there's real deadlines. Um, so they might have some background. They've seen a yearbook. They know the, the, the basic elements of what are in it. But the expectation of how to actually get to the point where you go from brainstorming to rough draft to proofs to actually printing and delivering, that's a whole other beast. So I think that for the most part, when you have kids that are working with those that are their peers, they're going to listen to them. And they're going to want to do things right because one, it's for a grade, which is a big motivator. And two, because they don't want to be the kid that dropped the ball. So yeah, it's important to do some basic teaching, some uh, bell ringers, do nows, whatever it is that you call it. But when you're in the production class, you have all the tools to let them do things in the real world. And as long as they have a mentor or a teacher, uh, student led, um, I found that's really where you're going to get the best results. That's very interesting. Okay. All right. Now you may have touched on this earlier. You mentioned you have an intro course. What mm -hmm. other, and maybe not just your book, but journalism in general at your school, what other courses can kids take? What do you have? Um, in terms of journalism? Yes. Uh, well, they can do the broadcast journalism route or they do the, it's just called journalism foundations. And that's where they learn. Uh, to be able to do the yearbook or the online news site. So the video production course is very much geared towards um, video reporting and doing the, the daily morning show. Um, so they're focused pretty much entirely just on video. Um, in my class, it's writing and designing and photography, and then the video sort of enters as needed. All right, now I'm a former broadcaster in a past life. And I'm curious, your broadcast group, you said they do a daily show. What, how, how, how long? What, to describe, to talk about that. It's about seven or eight minutes. So they do the morning announcements, and then they have a packaged news story of some content um, every day. Have they been able to do anything the last two months? Um, they have been doing virtual morning shows. So. Every day? Every day. I believe so. I, I, I can't vouch to that. Um, I know they were doing it at the beginning. I believe that they've been doing their best to try and figure out um, how to use uh, Google Hangouts to produce content because uh, for most of them, they were seniors. So it was important for them to finish out the year. Wow. That's something I'd like to see. That'd be kind of cool. Maybe someday I'll see that. <laughs> um, all right. Now, just a couple of questions to wrap up here. There is a term, I swear you can't turn the television on anymore without hearing the term new normal. New normal this, new normal this, new normal that. Everything's got a new normal. Whenever we eventually emerge from this, everything's going to be so different. Now let's, let's just focus solely on maybe journalism and yearbooking. 
do you see, Matt, do you see some kind of new normal after we're done with all this? In other words, are things going to somehow change? Or is your booking and journalism just pretty much always going to be the same? Well, I think journalism changes with what's going on around us. I mean, I don't think uh, many of us thought that we would be turning on uh, our local news and seeing people reporting from home using, you know, green screen backgrounds or Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever it is that they were using and running into even just the technological glitches with running into that. Um, I think that people are going to be way more comfortable now with using teleconferencing um, to conduct interviews because now people have been forced into understand the technology. For so long, we've told kids, you know, interviews are best face-to-face, -face, but we sort of have dabbled into the world of FaceTime or Google Hangouts. And I think now um, it's going to give more access to students because they're going to be able to teleconference with people that maybe are in a state over or even a country over. And instead now of having to worry about, well, that person doesn't know how to use this particular technology. I don't think that there's very many people here um, that haven't done at least one Zoom and have figured out how to access it and that it's not really that difficult. So I think it's going to maybe open up uh, technology for more people, especially in terms of communication. Um, I think social distancing is definitely going to be something that's going to become the norm in terms of, you know, things like shaking hands. A lot of people are saying, I'm not shaking hands anymore. Why have we been shaking hands? It seems like the easiest way to <laughs> transfer germs. So what is that going to look like, you know? I mean, so I think that there's definitely going to be some things that change. Um, journalism and yearbooking, I mean, at the end of the day, telling a story is telling a story. Um, how that story gets told, that might be different. We might be way more reliant now on writing um, than we have been in the past. There may not be the images to support what it is that we want to tell. Um, so I think that's going to be one of the biggest learning curves. We all want to tell great stories, but that doesn't mean that we have the pictures that to go along with it. And we know copyright exists, so you can't just go onto Google Images and just start taking pictures of things related to COVID and calling it your own. So there's going to have to be some creativity in the way that we depict that visually and verbally. By the way, folks, you're not allowed to do that on Google. Hello. <laughs> Too many people still do it. No, sorry, don't work that way. All right, Matt, one more question. And this is sort of an open-ended question. I'm going to assume that we probably have some rookie advisors tuning in or maybe first year, this was their first year, God forbid, this was their first year. Um, second year, in other words, relatively new to this. What are some words of advice? Because you've been doing this for over a decade now. What are some words of advice you would give to a brand new advisor or somebody who's just gotten started with this and especially maybe in this insane situation we're in, some words of advice so they don't either lose their sanity or stick with this and really try to do something with it. What would you tell them? Well, you can't predict the future. So you can only plan so much, just like you do with everything else in your life. So I would suggest not over planning. Um, have a basic framework for what it is that you want to accomplish over the summer and into the school year and be ready to make changes on the fly. Um, that can seem daunting, but that's the reality that we're in. And as a yearbook advisor, you're already doing that. Um, you're just gonna have to be flexible and able to do it a lot more. Um, 
make sure that your communication expectations are really clear with your students. They're dealing with a lot, you're dealing with a lot, and then adding in something as monstrous as a yearbook. You wanna make sure that everything's clear and everyone's in a good place. Um, so that way you can minimize stress and anxiety. Um, and you're just gonna have to, you're gonna have to play it by ear. I think that's the, the biggest thing. You have to wait to see what's gonna happen in your community, at your school. Um, I think as we've learned, things change from minute to minute. Um, and so that can get frustrating. And rather than allow yourself to get frustrated, you just sort of have to find that Zen middle ground and just sort of let it be um, until uh, all the decisions get made and then you can sort of start moving. I am an impatient person by nature, but I have learned during this that I just have to wait. And that's just the world that we are in. And me grumbling or being sour about it is not going to help. Um, so I definitely think that, especially if you're a new advisor, make connections, make communication with your kids. Um, see if you can do team building through Zoom or Google Hangouts. There are lots of weird, random things that are being created for people to entertain themselves. I've seen online escape rooms. I've seen online virtual game rooms uh, for trivia and all sorts of other random things. So it is possible to do some of the things that you would normally do over the summer since there's not going to be camps or opportunities probably for you to be face-to-face. -face. And then once the school year starts, reassess, see what your school year is going to look like. Are you going to have a regular school year or is it going to be updated to reflect whatever it is that we're living in and just be ready to adapt. Matt, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, to join us and uh, thanks again. Yeah, no problem. Stay safe. Well, a big thank you again to our friend Matt Laporte, advisor from Las Vegas. Again, he's the cool advisor. He's cool. Kids must really look forward to working for him and with him. That just sounds like an outstanding effort out there. Well, here we are again at the end of the school year, and hopefully the yearbooking report will resume come August, although like you, we're wondering what does the future hold? We're not exactly sure. But we are planning to ramp up again. Yes, we're gonna take some much needed time off here in the summertime, and frankly, we hope that you do the same hopefully not always hunkered down in your house. You can actually go someplace or something like that. Of course, stay well. That's the most important thing. You've heard the stuff. Wash your hands, all that stuff. Wear a mask in certain places. Okay, let's stay safe. We're going to beat this thing. It may take a little while, but we're going to beat it. And yes, we're going to do it all together. That really is a cliche now at this point, I think. But in the meantime, never stop storytelling. Never stop yearbooking. We appreciate you tuning in and thanks for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast. <laughs>